I'm going to tell you a story that you won't believe. But I fell in love last Friday evening with a girl I saw on a ballroom TV screen. With a roller derby program said that she was built like a refrigerator with a head. All right, anyway. <laughs> this took forever. Uh, not only to start to actually just record, but then when I finally decided to get off my ass because it's fucking uh, about uh, 15 degrees outside and I'm not going to be doing anything else, um, it took me forever just to get everything back on track. I was thinking that the last time that I f fucked around with this computer, I... Um, Actually, I think that I deleted a whole bunch of crap and um, and I left it turned off for probably since the last time I recorded, which was a long time ago. And then when it came back up, it had all these updates that I had to install. And so that took forever. And then I think there was like a new version of Windows 10 or something uh or some like security shit i can't remember but um burp i finally got it all back up i, I kept wondering why this motherfucker i i um it wouldn't um my recording uh app wouldn't work and um just kept coming up with an error and so then i went ahead and it, I, I was using um one that I've had on here forever and uh, I every time it would say you know uh, you know for an update on that I would never update it so I finally I thought well maybe I need to update it since I put the new version of Windows 10 on there and maybe that's why it's not working it's not compatible or something so anyway I uh, updated the app and it still didn't work and then um, I found there was something I think when I put the new well there was something wrong with the microphone and I've got all these fucking cords I this is like I said an old old um, desktop um, which the only thing I use it for is to still record the podcast but um, nothing's Bluetooth or anything and so when I was I got all these fucking cords here and I kept thinking that I was plugging in the microphone and the whole goddamn time. I bet you I spent fucking two hours trying to figure this out the whole goddamn time. I wasn't even plugging in the microphone into the USB port. I was plugging in my um, GPS. And uh, so then I finally I was like, why isn't this working? And I just ran the cord and I was like, holy shit. This whole time I wasn't even plugging in the fucking microphone. And as you guys all probably know, this means that I need to get a new fucking computer <laughs> and just quit fucking around with this old piece of shit. Um, I thought for sure I, I put a whole bunch of stuff on my IMDB uh, as reference for the show. And then after I, uh, my throat is kind of messed up, but <clears throat> excuse me, after I, um, 
downloaded the newest version of my um, recording app, I thought for sure it was going to say I needed to restart the computer and I was going to have to put all that shit back in. And if I would have had to done that, this recording would have uh, been pushed back till probably tonight or maybe <laughs> another week or two because I was just getting so pissed. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff, you know, just since last time I recorded and everything, you know, the COVID and everything. And now we're trying to figure out who's going to get the shot and, uh, you know, when and if, you know, they're going to have them available and all that. Plus, then we had the, uh, the one of the biggest things was we had the election here in the U.S., and there's about, uh, you know, a lot of people that are really happy. And I know some people that are just like beside themselves that this is the worst thing that's ever happened on the planet Earth. And I mean, like they're they're like, you know, I, I just feel horrible and I, I just don't even want to talk. And everything. I'm like, OK, well, you know, that's fine. And uh, it, it, however it worked out, I hope it worked out for the best. Uh and you know there's just a lot of shit going on um it's almost funny how well it's not almost funny it is scary how people can i think the main thing with this election over a lot of them was the weaponization of the internet for disinformation and things like that and um I really wasn't that familiar with uh, like the online like games um, like uh, Cicada and things like that. And um, of course I'd heard, let me take a drink here. I'm having a little problem. I um, of course just had become familiar with QAnon. I remember... A long time ago when I was a kid on TV before there ever was an Internet, um, you know, seeing commercials for, you know, Dianetics by L. Ron Hubbard. And they wouldn't say what it was. And it was just kind of like, OK, what the fuck is this? You know, and of course, that's his I think his first book and what led to Scientology and everything. Um, but I remember seeing on on the Internet, I think either on YouTube or some show where they were just showed a commercial and it was it was this woman and she was like uh who is q i am q you are q and all this and i'm like well what the fuck is this and it, and it was just kind of weird because they left it so ambiguous and and you know it made you think okay what is this and then of course over the past years and stuff uh you know you hear more and more about it and everything but um, I saw a thing the other day, uh, a little short uh, documentary film where they were talking about how it got started and everything and how it really, you know, went back to um, like these kind of um, sort of role playing games, I guess, on uh, it's almost like a a uh, scavenger hunt kind of a, a Internet game. And the one that they they talked about was Cicada and how it worked. And, you know, somebody just came up with this thing and kind of got people talking, uh, put an idea out there and uh, didn't really tell anybody what it was. And and then by doing that, they um, just gave little breadcrumbs here and there. And the breadcrumbs would 
get people interested, almost like solving a puzzle. And uh, the people would, uh, some of them, you know, uh, it, it, it was a real mind twister uh, trying to figure out uh, the next step, where to go, where to look, uh, what the code was and everything. And uh, they would make it pretty elaborate. And um, it just, it, it, then they said something about like, uh, you know, we're trying to find the best and the brightest. And if you can make it all the way to the end and and figure out what the, what the message is or what the code is and everything. And so it was pretty elaborate. Well, then they were talking about how somebody kind of hijacked that. And uh, there was one guy that they named several different times, but they're not even sure if he's the one that, but basically t- took the um, the concept of it and kind of, like I said, used it like a, a weaponization of um, information uh, or disinformation. And a lot of it, I was just telling my dad uh, uh, over Christmas, uh, we were talking about different things. And I said, it almost reminds me of, um, uh, you know, uh, psyops in um, you know the military and in uh, intelligence and things like that, um, where you know I mean God all through the years where w- you would spread disinformation and uh, the uh, like the KGB would spread disinformation. There was a book that I had. Ah, uh, God, what was it called? Uh, Mole Hunt and. Um, it involved um, a whole bunch of stuff like that where the KGB, when we during the Cold War, uh, the KGB and the CIA would put out disinformation and they would put out stuff to where it got to the point where, uh, I think it was Yuri Nosenko, uh, there was a movie, um, the, the, um, the defection of Yuri Nosenko. And I think Tommy Lee Jones was in that. And, uh, this guy, this guy, um, defected from Russia off this ship. He jumped from one ship to, uh, an American ship. I think as it was, as they were passing each other in, in, in port, a Russian ship to, um, an American ship. And he said, I want to defect and everything. Well, he said, I've got information and blah, 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 blah. Well, by this time, um, with Kim Philby and, um, you know, uh, the, um, all the stuff that was going on in, in Great Britain, uh, with moles and things like that. If you watch Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, it gives you kind of an idea of what was going on at the time, but the paranoia was just extreme. And so this guy, if he would have been a real defector, I mean, they put him through hell because they basically, um, you know, put him out in this, in this little, um, um, kind of a concrete block building with no windows or anything out in the middle of like the desert. And, and they would go out and just interrogate him and interrogate him and interrogate him and interrogate him and interrogate him. And then they would take everything he said and they would, they would, um, try to, confirm or figure out, you know, different things and any little thing that they could find out, whether he was lying, whether he wasn't lying, they would ask him the same questions over and over and over and over and over, polygraph him a million times, uh, probably tortured him a little bit and everything else. Um, but 
Then you had um, some of the um, spies that we had on the Russian side that would say that he was you know, full of shit. And then some people would say he wasn't and you didn't know if you could trust who and everything. And it, it got to the point where, um, they even had, um, people suspecting that the head of, uh, counterintelligence in the CIA, which was James Jesus Angleton. And that was the character. I believe that Matt Damon played in that um, CIA movie with Angelina Jolie and uh, Robert De Niro and um, Alec Baldwin. I can't even remember what that was called now. <laughs> but um, there was another good movie with Chris O'Donnell, or it was a um, miniseries um, for t- uh, you know made for TV miniseries that was really good called I think The Company, I believe. Um, and it was really good too. You'll see a lot of Alfred Molina was in that. Uh, and it's sort of like this, the same thing. It was like the, uh, history of the CIA went, you know, for the Bay of Pigs and, uh, East and, uh, uh, West, uh, Germany and all the stuff that was going on over there. Uh, and it went down through the different leaders, uh, heads of the CIA. And there were three different guys that they followed, which was Chris O'Donnell, uh, the other guy, I can't remember his name. He was actually in, I think, uh, Dazed and Confused. Uh, but he was a Russian who had went to school in the United States and everything. And he went back to Russia and became a KGB agent and then came back to America and was working like an undercover. Uh, if you watch the show, the Americans, that's another one that's really good uh, showing some of that stuff. And that's why some of the stuff that they, that was going on, uh, over the past like four years, um, you know, where they showed how, uh, you know, these Russian sleeper agents and things like that, uh, were living here, but not only that, but, um, watching how the CIA and, and KGB and, and places like that would, would use, um, honeypot traps, uh, like, you know, hot, uber hot chick comes up and starts talking to you and you're the most exciting thing in the world. It's like the Las Vegas thing where they said if a, a, uh, incredibly gorgeous woman that you, you know, you, there's no possible way that you could get her comes up and finds you completely irresistible. It's because, you know, it's bullshit and she's probably a hooker or something like that, or she's going to rob you or whatever. Um, but if you watch any of the stuff about like the MK ultra, and when the CIA was using uh, or testing LSD when it was first discovered on people, they would start a, um, a brothel, um, say somewhere, and whether it was in you know the Philippines or whether it was uh, in Japan or in the United States somewhere or whatever, and they would get these Johns that would come in to get a prostitute and then they would d- have the prostitute dose them with LSD and then they would watch them and see what was going on, um, uh, to see how they reacted and everything. And the, one of the reasons that they did that was because most of these guys were married and they didn't, and they knew that they would never say anything. Um, and that's the way a lot of times with, uh, prostitutes and stuff like that, um, they'll get a guy 
and have, you know, and they'll say, well, if you don't give me this much or whatever, I'll yell rape or, or something like that, you know, or, or they'll slip them a Mickey and steal all their stuff. But if you watch the, um, uh, I'm going down a rabbit hole cause everything is, if you watch, but if you like when you watch, um, the Godfather, um, Godfather two, I think maybe, or was it Godfather one? where they have the senator and he doesn't want to play ball. So basically what they do is uh, he goes to, you know, a horror house or maybe they knew that he went there a lot or maybe they just had a woman, you know, seduce him. And then um, they slip him a, a Mickey so that he passes out. He can't remember a goddamn thing. And when he wakes up, she's laying there dead with her throat slit. Or in the same instance, they could take uh, somebody and they could... Um, when they pass out, take pictures of them with, uh, you know, a guy fucking them in the ass or, you know, or something like that or something that would be embarrassing. And at that in a certain point in time and even still today, you know, uh, people that are in the closet, uh, homosexuals in the closet and things like that, they would use that or they would just have pictures. Even if the guy wasn't in the closet, they would maybe have guys like gang banging him or something like that. Take pictures of it and say, if you don't play ball, we've got these pictures in the Godfather. It was this woman's dead. Uh, you killed her somehow. You say you don't remember, but we'll take care of it for you. As long as you kind of play ball. Uh, another thing would be like, I find, um, with the whole Jeffrey Epstein thing, people get lost in the mud of, uh, well, the left and the right. Uh, well, your guy was seen with pictures of Jeffrey Epstein. Well, your guy had, uh, there was records of him being on his airplane and he's on the left, your guy's on the right, whatever. But it, it's kind of like you're getting lost in the, in the shuffle there because when it comes to say like uh, white slavery or child molestation and things like that, it's not going to matter whether there's a left, the left and the right, you know, of course, the left is going to weaponize it against the right. The right's going to weaponize it against the left if they find out their guys are doing whatever. But my whole point is with this, these politicians, no matter what side they're on, say Jeffrey Epstein, they say, you know, nobody knows where his money came from. You know, he um, he was kind of a con man and he he put in a, an application, a, a, a resume and stuff like that. Um, and really didn't have any credentials, but uh, because he was so bright and everything, this one professor said, oh, okay, well, we'll let you in here. And, uh, you know, I think you're, you're doing a great job and everything. But they said that, you know, they really didn't know where he got all his money from and, and how he, you know, afforded all these things. And, uh, of course, you know, the notorious island that he was on and these, you know, famous people that were on his plane or that went down there to uh, party and stuff. And then, you know, a lot of the girls that were down there uh, were underage uh, and were recruited and then uh, made to rec not made to, but they would, uh, you know, almost willingly uh, get on the good side and then they would start recruiting people. It was like a vicious cycle. But my whole point of that is um, that when it comes down to Epstein and him being hung and all this stuff, it's not really a conspiracy. Well, I guess maybe, you know, maybe it's a conspiracy theory. But what I'm saying is, is KGB and CIA and like Mossad and places like that are known for, 
you know, using blackmail if they have information on people to get them to do whatever they want to do. And one of the things that I was thinking, because, of course, Russia, uh, one of the big things that the KGB had over there was they would have these hotels and all the rooms would have cameras and and uh, microphones and stuff in them, and they would get tourists, whether they were men of industry or politicians or whoever, you know, get a hot chick in there with them, you know, blackmail them, basically have them on film doing nasty, nasty things. And people would say with Trump, you know, oh, you know, the thing about the P tape and all this and that. And to be honest with you, I don't think that with his temperament and with his narcissism and things like that, that even if they came out with a video of him, you know, getting pissed on and pissing on women and all this stuff, that it would be that big of a deal that he would, you know, be like, oh my God, oh my God. Now maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But my thing was with Epstein and things like that was the the one thing that most people would not forgive anybody, whether it was somebody on the right or somebody on the left or whatever, is if they were, had videotape evidence of them doing stuff with like kids, uh, and then that would make them a child molester. Now, of course, you got like uh, whether it's Woody Allen or Roman Polanski or whoever. So uh, I was just talking to somebody the other day about Mike Tyson, you know, how they're rehabbing his image, even though he is a convicted rapist and a registered sex offender. And now he's all over the TV and he's got a spoken word comedy kind of a thing that he does. And, you know, maybe he's changed his life around. But if you look back in time uh, of all the violent things that he did throughout his his life and admittedly a drug, you know, drug addiction, especially, you know, especially when he became rich and famous and he had a really bad cocaine addiction. Uh, I think Teddy Atlas actually pointed a gun in his face because when he was younger, he, he, uh, like tried to molest or sexually, you know, come on to or whatever his little sister who was underage, I think is what it was. So, and he had a history of violence and doing all these crazy, plus, you know, self admittedly, uh, I believe he admits that he has mental problems, but what I'm saying is, you know, even though, especially with in, in today's day and age, there's always going to be people that are going to say, well, it's fake, it's bullshit or whatever, but say they came out with a tape or something and, you know, high def of, of, uh, uh, person a, uh, you know, like, uh, fucking a, a, a kid, an underage kid who is like uh, 11, 12 years old and they're, you know, choking them or smacking them or even just having sex with them or whatever. More than likely, that's not going to go over too well, especially if they have a lot of it and stuff like that, plus other evidence, DNA evidence and everything else. Burp. Uh, <laughs> but that was my whole thing with the Epstein thing is that I wondered if he wasn't a, almost like a whitey bulger kind of a thing where he was sort of, even though he was repugnant and a piece of shit and uh, like a child molester or whatever himself, if they didn't use him as a tool uh, to, uh, you know, run basically like a, a brothel kind of a type atmosphere uh, at that island in wherever it was and would get rich and famous people down there uh, and have them party and do whatever drugs and, uh, and uh, all kinds of stuff, including having sex with whoever, you know, um, 
indulging their fantasies and, you know, underage girls and things like that. It's happened before it's happened. You know, like I said, our own, our own government, our own intelligence agencies probably have used it. Uh, well have used that. Uh, and so has KGB and things like that. So, you know, Russian connection, uh, Mossad connection, uh, whoever, you know, uh, intelligence that would use that, you know, to blackmail people. And it's probably still going on today, although they did, you know, finally, you know, I mean, how, how long was uh, Epstein protected and got away with all this shit and never got in trouble and it was covered up because he was in with the rich and famous? Sort of the same thing like Harvey Weinstein. I'm not saying that he has anything to do with like blackmailing anybody or anything, but I'm just saying when you have that much money and that much power, plus keeping it around the movie stuff, because that's what we're here to talk about. But the election is over and um, it's almost sort of like a relief uh, that the uh, chaos King and uh, with all the tweets every day and you wake up every morning and, and think, Oh God, what happened now? what do you say now? What, what's going on now? And everything. And like I said, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to be, you know, I am political as hell. And, you know, I, yeah, but um, I would almost rather have the status quo than just this, the, this uh, shit that we were having. And, um, it just, you know, I, I know just even coming down to the wire and everything, you know, my friends, family and people, coworkers and things like that were just like, Oh my God, I just want to fucking vomit. I mean, and I had just told my dad, I said, you know, I've never seen a, in my lifetime, an election where, uh, somebody loses the election and you're, you're, you say you have 10 days and you're counting down the days like, Oh my God, what the fuck's going to happen? You know what? the And then with the uh, storming of the, um, of, the the Congress and everything and the Senate and, uh, uh, and going in the cops getting cop getting killed, the woman getting killed. And, you know, it's like, uh, I'm, and that's another thing with that whole situation. Uh, I think that there were people in those groups that, uh, there were certainly people that showed up, uh, to protest and to stand out there and scream and yell and hold signs and say, you know, F this and this is bullshit and blah, 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 blah. But then there were people in that group that had the agenda of going in and kidnapping and killing uh, somebody or people and uh, and trying to, you know, have a um, insurrection and take over the government and blah, 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 blah. Coup d'etat. Uh, it's crazy time and crazy stuff. And like I said, uh, hopefully, uh, I'm sure that no matter what, we're still going to have um, a, some uh, craziness. I mean, like I said, I, I was telling one of my friends the other day, I remember back in the days, you know, Timothy McVeigh and, uh, you know, the Oklahoma City bombings and things like that. Um, so uh, hopefully we can all try to get back to a, a certain normalcy uh, and get get things back on track. And, I, and again, I, I hope that um, even, you know, uh, the people that are in power now will try to take the reins and try to turn uh, things back to the way they are where it wasn't a growing divide of rich getting richer and poor getting poorer and the same old promises being broken and just the same old bullshit lip service. Uh, you know, I'm, I definitely um, hope that um, 
the racism and sexism and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, we, you know, I was hoping, uh, I've said it a, a bunch of times that, you know, f- compared to my grandparents or my great grandparents' generation, then my grandparents, then my mom and dad's generation, my generation, my nieces and nephews' generations, that things are getting better and better and better as far as that goes. But then, you know, like I said, over the past so many years uh, here, um, it almost became like um, somebody had like a uh, offered a get out of jail free card to these you know, white supremacists and homophobes and, uh, you know, just racist bigots and things like that. And it just kind of got really gross and, and scary and, and disgusting. And, you know, you have to stand up and fight that shit and speak out against it. You know, uh, like I said, I've, you know, you judge somebody by the content of their character and I, you know, I don't really give a fuck. Um, but there's just no reason to be that stupid and that ignorant. And the COVID thing is kind of almost putting people in their place because it doesn't give a fuck what side you're on or how rich you are or how poor you are or anything like that. So we're going through some really weird fucking kind of tough times. And that's another reason, like even with the doing the podcast, I started back pretty strong there and was putting them out, uh, you know, pretty quickly. But then it's kind of like... Um, you, I, I would think I would be doing more because I'm stuck inside and and pretty much uh, keeping the you know quarantining myself pretty good, except you know to go to the store and then masking up and everything. Uh, going to work maybe you know once uh, a week, um, sometimes twice, but and then just working from home. But um, I have like my. Uh, I just talked to one of my good friends the other day and he's got COVID and said that he um, had been sick for like eight days straight. And he said it was the sickest he's ever been. And he got it from a guy that he works with who had it. And then one of my really good friends from work now, son, uh, daughter-in-law and their little boy, actually all three of them have it now. And I'm seeing, you know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day from Canada and I can't remember what, where they live up there now. Um, but they said the hospitals are just getting completely full and there's, you know, nowhere to go because the hospital said, you know, we can't take you unless you're whatever. Uh, and, uh, that's one thing if you get sick now, unless you are like really, really like almost ready to fucking die, uh, they won't even take you. They'll say, you know, just stay home. Um, so anyway, like I said, that's just kind of the stuff that's going on. I've been, uh, still kind of looking at vehicles and looking at motorcycles and, you know, I've been reading, I got a, um, uh, let me look here. I went to, went to Walmart the other day to get some groceries and, uh, <coughs> it's funny. My, uh, iPhone, um, uh, it like, it's like it wouldn't charge. And it's, uh, it's like a six plus, I think. And, um, it, it, uh, got to where you kind of had, when you plugged it in, uh, you had to put it a certain way for the, to make a connection. And I got on YouTube and saw some, you know, fixes for it. Like just, you know, blowing out the little, um, uh, Jack there uh, with some compressed air, taking a little toothpick and getting in there and getting some of the dust and dirt and grime and stuff that, that stays in there. So anyway, it still wouldn't work well and I didn't want to get stuck without a phone. So I sent it back to Apple 
And um, they sent me a thing that said uh, it was going to be like $53 no matter what. And uh, But they sent me a thing and said that there was other stuff wrong with it other than what I had reported that they couldn't fix. And they wanted to know if I wanted to um, have them uh, dispose of it for me. Um, or they could send it back to me. And then there was another option. I can't, or, or trade it in, uh, something like that, you know, on a new phone. And so I was just like, you know, but while I had sent it to Apple, it was only, you know, a couple of days, but I didn't want to get stuck without a phone. So I went to Walmart and I bought a little, you know, track phone and got like 60 minutes on it. Cause I never use a fucking thing anyway, except to listen to podcasts and stuff. And, you know, every once in a blue moon, make, you make a call. Um, but I got that little track phone. So I was okay. You know, a little flip phone from like back in the stone age. But, um, I said, well, just send it back to me. Cause I thought, well, you know, I'll try and, you know, just fuck with it as much as I paid for it. I've had it for a long time now, but I thought I'll just get on YouTube and see if I can find, uh, maybe, uh, uh, some videos and stuff to show how to replace that, uh, the, the Jack, uh, uh, for the uh, power source and maybe even replace the battery. Cause I think I got something that came up and said something about the battery. Um, so I got on Amazon and I bought the little kit uh, and a, a new battery, the little kit uh, to, how to uh, uh, you know, to replace it with. And also, you know, how to re- uh, 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 the, the jack that, you know, to put in there to replace it. And uh, like I said, I looked it up on YouTube. There's different videos show how to do it and everything. But they sent it back to me. And the mother, but but while I was waiting, I thought, okay, well, if if they said it's not going to work and everything, I'm just going to get a new phone. So I bought the new one, the newest iPhone, the you know, the best that there is now. Um, And they sent me my phone back, and the fuckers worked ever since. And somebody was telling me they had a theory that they thought when uh, they wanted people to buy their new phones and stuff that they they send something out in, in an update that will start causing it to do stuff like that. And so you'll buy a new one. Um, it's worked ever since. And, and um, now I have all my stuff um, from my backup transferred over to my brand new phone. But I haven't even used it yet. I haven't even put the SIM card in it or anything yet because I just thought I'm going to use this other one until and see how long it will last. Because the one thing I thought was I get the new phone. I can just use that one, fiddle with it. If, if I fuck it up, it won't matter because I'll just throw it away. Uh, but if I can fix it or if it still works, I'll just use it, uh, you know, to store music and stuff like that on. Um, but so anyway, now I have two phones. Uh, might as, I should just go ahead and put the SIM card in the other one because this is brand new. It's got like three different fucking camera lenses on it. And I, I got a lot of storage space on it so I can put a bunch of shit on it if I want to. Uh, and it, it, um, you can charge it of course through, you know, plugging it into a USB jack, or you can charge it, uh, just by sitting it on one of those, um, charge, you know, the, the, uh, charger that you don't have to plug it in. It just sits on the stand. Uh, so that's kind of cool. And, uh, it's got the best of everything, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but while I was at Walmart, uh, they had a, like some comic books. I don't know if Walmart is starting their own brand. It's called Allegiance 
comics. And um, they had about five, four or five different titles. And they're too expensive because they're like five bucks, you know, $4.98 a piece. But I thought while I was there, you know, I'll just buy one of each issue of this these comics and just see what they're all about. Uh, the one is called Red Rooster. And it's kind of like a like an old school superhero, superhero team and stuff that maybe back in the like 30s and 40s. Um, and it was pretty good. It wasn't it wasn't bad. It, it kind of reminded me of um, not League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but uh, just like the old Doc Savage, the shadow and stuff like that. Uh, so it wasn't bad. Then I got another one, uh, and these are all Allegiance comics. It's called Nora's Saga, and it's this young girl, like a modern-day young you know, girl, the way she dresses, the way she acts and everything. And somehow her and her dad run off the road uh, in like an ice and snowstorm, and uh, I think they fall, th- they go through like the a hole in the ice, um, and um, she gets out, and she thinks her dad's dead, I believe, and um, I've got a hair in my ear. Uh, but anyway, she finds herself back in like almost like she's went through another, to another dimension. Uh, sort of like she's almost went back to like medieval times where, you know, everybody thinks she's a witch because she has an iPhone. And um, but it, it wasn't bad. It's I, I, I don't. The thing is, with all these, all of them so far have been pretty good. But I don't know if I'm going to keep up with them because, like I said, I mean, they're almost like five bucks a piece, you know, so I won't be tight because but uh, it just seems almost like, you know, I, I can see why people like do torrents and things like that, because Jesus Christ, you know, you go from and, and I know, you know, it's probably the same with anybody when they they think back when they were young. You know, when I first started reading comics, I think they were like 20 to 25 cents. And now we're talking five dollars, you know, and it's like, oh, the paper's so much better and blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, fuck, I'd rather have the pulp paper and the 25 cent fucking comic. The, one of the other ones is uh, Bass Reeves uh, that's based on the uh, old, um, re, uh, you know, actual real live uh U.S. Marshal back in the Old West. It was a uh, African American. Uh, is like supposedly one of the best, you know, of all time. I think they said that um, they based um, Jamie Foxx's character in Django off of that his the real guy. And I was actually wanting to get the real guy's biography. I almost got it for Christmas for my dad. And then I thought, you know, eh, he probably won't even he did, he just doesn't give a shit. He doesn't want anybody to buy him anything or anything. But I kind of want to read it myself, so I might get it myself. It's inter- very interesting character. And I used to read a lot, you know, about the old West and the you know the old uh, gunfighters and lawmen and stuff like that. I got a book for myself um, called Roller Derby, uh, and it's a you know kind of lots of pictures, but it also it, it talks about you know. Uh, the modern day roller derby, which, you know, the girls roller derby and stuff. And, um, this is by, well, Jesus Christ, I got it off Amazon. So it's still, it was from, I think it was a library book and, uh, Toronto public library. And they, you know, probably sold, uh, from the library, um, spec press, uh, by Catherine Mabe. 
the history and all uh, and all girl rival of the greatest sport on wheels. I'm really kind of uh, really interested in. I, I guess maybe it's a nostalgia thing from when I was a kid and everything. But even um, it's probably been like uh, oh my goodness. 10, 15 years ago when uh, uh, women's roller derby had a real big resurgence in the United States. Uh, and, you know, these little outfits were springing up everywhere. And it's kind of cool just because how all the girls, um, uh, they would start these teams and, you know, have their own, like each person on the team would have a nickname and each, uh, yeah, they'd have their own style. Like there was one uh, woman's team uh, and they all wore like these um uh, big black mustaches, <laughs> which looks funny as hell. Uh, but they all have like the, those things like that. And, and uh, that that movie, uh, Drew Barrymore did a uh, a uh, uh, roller derby movie, uh, which was pretty good. And of course, you know, we we reviewed I think the Raquel Welch one, and then I I found a uh, documentary uh, online, a roller derby documentary from back in like the early seventies, which was really cool. But I, I, um, you know, uh, there are several books, but I wanted to find a, a comprehensive book about like the history of roller derby. And I haven't really found a really good one yet. Um, I, just looking up online, there's a lot of information like how they, if, if you watched, uh, they shoot horses, don't they, with Jane Fonda and Michael Sarazen about the dance uh, contest, the marathon dance contest. Well, roller derby kind of came from that because back in the, um, back in the Depression era, they would have contests like that. You know, you see like uh, American Idol and things like that on TV now. So these were kind of like a, 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 uh, reality i was gonna say reality tv but they weren't reality tv they were reality like on the radio or just you know you would go in person like back in the day when people would go to the carnival the fair or the circus or something like that but one of the things you know like i said in that movie uh they shoot horses don't they they had the dance contest which went for like week you know hours and hours and hours days and days and days and weeks and everything um and uh, they would have like a big prize. Uh, and back then people were really hurting for money and, you know, just food, shelter and everything else that they would try these contests. And uh, uh, one of the reasons these longevity, uh, you know, marathon contest, a lot of some of them went, you know, they went away. It was almost uh, degrading and almost uh, uh, they would have people that would like you know have a heart attack and drop dead and things like that but the roller derby thing that has a connection to that is when they started out they would have these um marathon roller skating uh almost like you know races and stuff but they would skate the equivalent of you know skating from fucking new york to california or something like that i mean they weren't skating on the road they were skating on a track but they went around it so many times i mean like in they shoot horses don't they they would uh you know stop and they would get to eat and uh maybe get to sleep for you know take a cat nap or something like that whereas um uh, uh like same thing with these roller uh, roller uh, marathons, roller skating marathons that they would, you know, there were people that, you know, would have a heart attack or drop dead from exhaustion and stuff like that. Um, and then of course, then it went into the, 
uh, the actual contest that they have today, but they were on like a bank track, an actual big track that they would set up, a big like wood track, and they would go from town to town and set this track up. And the 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 one that was really famous in the '60s and early '70s. Um, well, even before that, you know, when it when it was before TV, um, that there was one guy that kind of ran the whole show, and he would um, come to the town with like two teams, and but he would say the one team was like, uh, say you lived in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. The one team he brought there would they would say, well, this is you know the Oklahoma City team and they're going against this rival team from you know the la thunderbirds or something like that but what it was was uh there was no team there in oklahoma that was the oklahoma team he owned all the teams and they were all just his people and they would go around and one of them because it would give the local people a um a home team to root for. So it was almost like wrestling where they, then they would know who the, 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 who to cheer for and who to boo. And then, you know, as it went along and it got, uh, I remember when I watched it, when in the, um, early seventies, early to mid seventies, um, it did start getting more like wrestling where it became more and more of a quote unquote work where it was fixed and stuff. And they would have staged fights and things like that. And, you know, NHL hockey, you know, just in the past, it's kind of cleaned up its act here recently. Now, when uh, back in the 60s and 70s or even the you know 50s and things like that, when they would have fights, I mean, they would have like real fights just from the contact and from, you know, uh, guys, you know, hitting, you know, somebody accidentally get hit in the mouth with a stick and then they turn around and want to fight. And then all the way up through like the flyers and things like that. But then it got to, I think in like the, in like the nineties and early two thousands and things like that, it got to where they almost had like staged fights and the guys were actually fighting and like knocking the shit out of each other and punching each other. And there's guys that have had like CTE and, you know, the brain damage and, and all kinds of problems. Uh, but when I say staged fights, they would have the goons on the, you know, one team might have a a guy that's like the big goon, the big, uh, tough guy, other team would have it. And they would go out and square off in the middle of the ice, you know, uh, uh, or call each other out during the game. And, and they would, uh, have like a big fight and the crowd would go nuts and everything. They're trying to get away from that more, but that's that's kind of like how in roller derby it kind of it's when the flyers were like, you know, big uh, using intimidation and fighting all the time in hockey, the people started going so nuts for that. And like, Oh my God, you know, Oh, the fights I go to the, I go to the fights to see, you know, I go to the, uh, the hockey game to see a fight or I go to the fights to, and a hockey game broke out. Um, but, that eventually kind of led to the downfall of hockey for a long time in in uh, on national TV because the Flyers that they're what the stuff that they did they would have there would be riots and stuff and the, you know the the players going up in the stands to fight with the fans and shit like that some of the stuff you saw in Slapshot kind of was like what was going on at that time so they got kicked off of uh, of of uh, you know national TV the network TV there wasn't any cable at that time. 
And um, but that's what happened started happening in roller derby. But it was more of like a kind of a work thing where you know they would have you know uh, fake fights and stuff because the fans would get excited. But then it led to its downfall. Then it started making a big comeback in like like I said in the uh, uh, probably early two early mid two thousands and. Um, um, they were just like uh, small league things that would start up uh, all over, and they would they didn't have like the banked tracks that they would have to set up because it's expensive and having to move all that shit around, set it up, and everything. They would just do it on uh, on gymnasium floors on a in, and set up like a uh, just on the flat like basketball court floor and everything. Um, so it'd be you know fun to go to. I think it's it might have tailed off a little bit or a lot lately. Um, well, you know, everything has with COVID and everything, but even before that, I, I stopped hearing as much about it. At, at one time, uh, uh, this guy, Eddie Goldman, he would do a um, podcast called No Holds Barred with Eddie Goldman, and he covered all combat sports. And uh, he included roller derby, which he said was the fastest growing sport in the United States at that time. Um, like I said, I think it kind of fell off a little bit. Uh, I haven't been following it as much, uh, but I'm really interested and I really like watching and learning and, and just, you know, there's a lot of documentaries from the early to mid two thousands out there about the different, uh, roller derby, uh, teams, women's roller derby teams. They're really, like I said, they're really fun to watch just the names that the teams they come up with, the names of the characters that each one of them, they don't use their real names. They'll, you know, come up with like, uh, you know, Charlene Manson or, you know, something like, you know, just kind of uh, mix up a woman's name with something crazy. So it's kind of cool. But anyway, I'm going to get on here and uh, look at some of these movies. And again, uh, um, some of these, it's been so long. I don't know if I'll remember them all that well, but uh, and then uh, I think Rolf had uh, posted some uh, uh, movies that he had watched. And I'm going to talk about those too a little bit. Um because like I said, uh, the last time we want to stay uh, right in the uh, two hour mark uh, or for some reason uh, it won't um, it won't uh, let me convert it over. So um, right at the two hour mark, we're going to we're going to stop and we're already at 49 minutes. <laughs> so I'm going to keep an eye on that. But uh, the first movie uh, wasn't the first movie I watched, probably the, the latest movie or the longest movie ago that I watched uh, was um, from 1974 uh, directed by Gordon Parks and uh, written by Lorenzo Semple uh, Jr. and L.H. Uh, Whitmore and uh, it's called Super the, the Super Cops and it starred Ron Lieberman and David Selby who played uh, Quentin Collins on Dark Shadows a uh, long long time ago um, this was, this, you know, kind of came out around the time when, uh, they were making the true kind of cop, uh, dirty, uh, grimy, true crime cop movies like Serpico and, um, uh, like the seven ups and things like that. Uh, this was based on two real guys, uh, and, um, they were uh, famously known as Batman and Robin in New York. And they were two guys when they started out, they were, you know, young, like rookie cops. And they, you know, would make them just walk the beat and, uh, and uh, they didn't know anything, but they wanted to move up and become detectives and things like that. So they uh, kind of broke the rules so that they could, um, 
you know, get more recognition and uh, they kind of went against the grain. It's a pretty good movie. I saw it when I was a little kid and, um, but I haven't seen it since it's actually on YouTube and it's, it's worth a watch. It was pretty good. Um, then of course, like anything else you go and what Pat Hingle was also in this, uh, I'm trying to see if anybody else that, uh, I would recognize, uh, I just remember Ron Lieberman back in that, back in that time, you know, was in a lot of TV shows and a lot of movies. Um, but anyway, if you read about it, uh, it's almost like Prince of the City, uh, where in this movie they make them, you know, more out to be like the heroes and things like that. Whereas, um, reading, following up on the two actual guys, uh, I guess this, you know, based on a book uh, that they wrote. Uh, but when you follow up on the two actual guys, they uh, did some things that weren't. Uh, very ethical and uh some of the things that were portrayed in the movie that actually happened like uh there was one scene where uh they uh shoot some guy and uh in the movie it's you know made to look like it was you know of course all self-defense and uh they were just uh, the guy was like a a real you know horrible bad guy or whatever but then they said there was speculation that they were actually robbing a uh drug dealer and they killed the guy on purpose. They, you know, so, you know, it's one of those things where, but then you take into account some of the stuff that they did and think, okay, well, is this, um, did they have uh, people on the police force that were just out to get them after, you know, some of the stuff that they exposed and some of the stuff that they did. But like I said, I really liked it. It's a, it's a movie of its time. You know, it's a, it's a time capsule. When you watch it, you'll, you'll understand what I'm talking about, but it was pretty good. I'm glad I, I'm glad that uh, they put it on the YouTube. Uh, let's see. Next one. I watched a movie called bad country from 2014 and uh, this was directed by Chris Brinker, uh, written by, uh, the, I guess the, the book was written by Mike Barnett and uh, uh, screenplay by Jonathan Hirschblind. And one of the reasons I wanted to watch this is because it stars uh, Matt Dillon, Willem Dafoe, and uh, Tom Berenger, and also Neil McDonough is in it. So that's a pretty good uh, cast. And uh, what's his name? Bill Duke. Uh, I think this might be his last role. Um, but anyway, it's, it's okay. Not great. Um, I believe that I read something about, uh, the guy that directed it was involved in maybe, um, oh, what the fuck? Uh, Boondock Saints, I think. And that's how they got Willem Dafoe and, yeah, Boondock Saints and Boondock Saints 2. And he died while making this, I believe. It's funny that I'm remembering this because I actually looked him up. Uh, he died before it was actually finished. Um, Chris Brinker. It's a... Um, there's lots of big bushy mustaches in this. Um, Willem Dafoe is a cop um, and... It's kind of like uh, based on the Dixie Mafia uh, case uh, involving the Dixie Mafia, which if you watch, um, well, Walking Tall, that was the Dixie Mafia that Buford Pusser was going up against there. And also it reminds uh, the, the um, oh, what are those guys? The, 
Sean Penn and Christopher Walken, where they were kind of uh, at close range, which was up more up in Pennsylvania, up around Justin Oberholzer's uh, neck of the woods, I believe. But um, and um, what was the other one I was thinking of? The one with um, Casey Affleck, Willem Dafoe, and Batman. <laughs> Uh, something about the furnace, <laughs> but that, that it's it's that kind. Of, it's not it's not like the um, like Italian mafia or anything like that. It's kind of like the good old boys uh, organized crime uh, guys. Um, but this one could have been a lot better, and with this cast, I would have thought it would have been a lot better. It's just kind of. It's worth a watch, but uh, it doesn't, it does, you know, I thought it was going to be, I was like, holy shit, how did I miss this, you know, with this cast? And then when I watched it, I was like, okay, now I see. Uh, more straight to DVD kind of a deal. Um, but, you know, it's it's worth checking out. Uh, Matt Dillon is a, he's kind of more of a uh, area nation guy uh, who, um, gets out of prison and they use him to, uh, like as an informant to take down, to try and take down the Dixie mafia. That's just in the first, you know, little bit, it's not giving anything away. Uh, I finally caught up to and watched, I scratched this off my uh, list of shame, 1973's The Crazies, uh, directed by George A. Romero and starring Lane Carroll, Will, uh, McMillan, Harold Wayne Jones. Now I had said lots of times before on the show, I actually watched the remake of the crazies with Timothy Oliphant. And I really liked it. I really liked this one too. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, of course it's a lot more low budget again, just like the uh, super cops. It's a uh, you know, movie of its times. Uh, didn't know, don't know and didn't know anybody in it. But of course I knew George Romero, uh, directed it and I knew the kind of movies that he was making at the time, low budget and everything and took that into account, but it's still really good. I really liked it. Uh, again, I've said a million times I used to, you know, uh, they made, um, uh, I think Dawn of the Dead uh, at, at the like Monroeville Mall uh, up in uh, Pennsylvania. And, you know, I only live about an hour, maybe and a half away from there. And we used to go up there all the time. So I'm real familiar with the that area outside of Pittsburgh and everything. So it's kind of cool seeing all that stuff. Uh, yeah, I really like this. I, it's one that I would definitely rewatch. And I know just about everybody that listens to this show has probably seen it a bunch of times. But uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. And uh, just the, the thought of them, you know, going out and making, and especially now, anything like this uh, with the coronavirus and everything that's going on. I had a theory the other day, just as like a joke, that uh, if they're going to start giving the uh, shot out for the coronavirus and everybody's going to start turning into werewolves before they know it. And then there's, you know, the last vestige of humans that didn't take the shot are going to be, you know, uh, uh, trying to escape the werewolves or whatever, mutant hybrids. That's just a theory. So don't uh, change your life over it. <laughs> I watched another movie that was uh, probably not as good as uh, the um, Willem Dafoe movie I was just talking about. Uh, it's called Chain of Command from 2015 or The Echo Effect, which is the original title. Uh, directed by Kevin Carraway. 
and written by Kevin Carraway and Lawrence Sarah. And the reason I watched this is because it stars Michael Jai White and Stone Cold Steve Austin, as well as Max Ryan, who I don't even know who the fuck that is. Uh, this isn't very good um, at all. I don't remember that much about it other than uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin sucked in it as he does in just about every movie he's in. He is not a good actor. Um, the best movie I think that he was ever in was the original Expendables. He can't act. Uh, his He's not really that good in like fight scenes. And in this movie, he doesn't really have... He's like a, a heavy, like the... the uh, second in command to the main bad guy but he just sits there he doesn't really do that much action stuff at all and he's horrible he's just not a good actor for somebody that he he you can really tell that he's acting in everything he does uh michael jai white looks like uh fucking uh sydney poitier compared to uh fucking uh stone cold shithead and you know something about Stone Cold Steve Austin, and, and like I said, I was talking about Mike Tyson a little while ago and everything. Uh, one thing that sticks in my crawl about him is that he was known to get drunk and beat up his ex-wife. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. That's what she said. Yeah. Uh, I think he even admitted that when he would, at one point in time when he was drinking a lot, which his character was a redneck who drank constantly or drank beer all the time and was really violent. And I think that, uh, Deborah McMichael, the, or she was Deborah and managed, uh, like Jeff Jarrett and, uh, in WWF, but also was married to Steve McMichael, of the Chicago bears who was in the four horsemen in WCW. Um, but she was married to stone cold. And I think she said that he beat her up when he would get drunk. So that's another, that's just one of those things when I see that and I'm just, it just sticks in the back of my craw, but that movie's not very good chain of command. So you can miss that one. I watched a documentary on prime called lace bite from 2012. And, um, uh, just the description. I don't know if anybody would be interested in this or not. I watched it just because it, it's about hockey, a woman's hockey team, uh, over ten day, over ten days, forty women attempt to break the world record for the longest ever ice hockey game. Uh, as the game uh, and brutal schedule take a toll on the bodies and minds, the players are uh, held up by the same cystic fibrosis community they inspire. They're doing it for uh, one of their friends uh, who has cystic fibrosis, plus just for the entire community and to bring awareness to cystic fibrosis, which I didn't know anything about at all. Um, it's, it's pretty good. I mean, it's not anything, like I said, I don't know if anybody would be interested in watching it. I watched it. Uh, I wasn't blown away, but I mean, it's, it's worth a watch one time. It just, if not just to give, uh, somebody, uh, an idea about cystic fibrosis and what, uh, you know, what it entails and how it affects people and their families and stuff. I watched a movie called tough and deadly from 1995 and uh, this stars Billy Blanks and Rowdy Roddy Piper, uh, or R uh, Roddy Peeper, uh, <laughs> Rodney Peeper. Um, when Loaf and I were at, it wasn't Horror Hound, it was actually at a wrestling convention in Charlotte. 
I remember the one year we saw Dusty Rhodes and Loaf got his autograph and talked to him and everything. And uh, he died like right after that. And while we were at this one uh, that I was going to mention, uh, Roddy Piper, while we were there, Roddy Piper, it was announced that he had passed away and died. And it just kind of went around the um, the whole convention because nobody at the convention knew it actually happened when we were there. You know, when we went up to our room and stuff, uh, you know, uh, just looking at our iPads on the internet and everything, you know, it came up that he had passed away and then it just kind of went around. Everybody's like, Oh my God, is this true? You know? Uh, but this was pretty, it's entertaining. Um, it's kind of, it definitely, I was going to say it has an eighties feel like an eighties buddy cop movie, but it's 1995. Um, low budget, uh, buddy cop movie, uh, buddy cock. I, I think, I think it was, if it was me or who it was, we were going to make a movie called buddy cock. Uh, it was going to be like a gay porn parody of a buddy cop movie with hardcore, of course, sex in it. Uh, buddy cock. And the guy's name was going to be, it was buddy cock was actually going to be like the main guy's name, but it was, you know, buddy cock. <laughs> I have lots of ideas. <laughs> Elmo Freach is a private investigator. Uh, he is contracted by John Portland, a CIA agent who suffers amnesia. Okay, John Portland is Billy Blanks, and Elmo Freach is Roddy Piper. And it's funny uh, that his name is uh, John Portland because I think that uh, Roddy Piper actually lived around Portland. So this is probably the director and writer is probably like a friend of Roddy Piper's. I, I, I don't know how blanks and Roddy Piper got hooked up together. I think they made several movies together. Uh, Loaf was really into watching their stuff. This is the only one I think I've ever seen with those two. So it did make me want to see some other ones. Piper has a lot of charisma and, uh, he, him and, uh, his, um, what was his, uh, it was almost like uh, Mike Hammer. He had his his uh, secretary, uh, Velda. Uh, Roddy Piper's, was it Maureen Peak? He had his uh, secret secretary, and they kind of had like a love, uh, sort of a, I don't know, like a. I assumed that they that they had fucked. Uh, burp. But I'm not sure there was like a sexual tension there. But she came, Piper and um, Millie Blanks were at his office and she came there, came there uh, to drop something off or whatever. And she was like, or she had went out and did something and she was really tired. And, and uh, she said something about she was so tired that she, she could only do one of them at a time. So, and uh, I think Justin and I, this was on a, um, on a um, watch party kind of a thing that we had. Um, and we were like, what the fuck did she mean by that? And I was, I said, well, I thought that, you know, she, it was, a. Uh, I think she was making a joke, but the joke was that she was so tired that she couldn't like let a, both of them double team her and like double penetration and all that shit. <laughs> so she would have to, she, she said, I'm something like, I'm so tired I can only do you one at a time. 
And but it was one of those like you know inside joke things that they threw in you know because this is it, it's got so for being low budget it was entertaining it had some good fights and stuff like that in it and chases and explosions and things but it also it had some funny stuff and some definitely uh, homoerotic moments between Rowdy Roddy Piper and Billy Blanks Billy Blanks was okay but he was not as good Piper had the it factor he had that charisma so that was pretty good. Let's check our time here. Okay, we got about another 53 minutes. Uh, so we're not even, I'm not even going to get to a lot of this stuff because I went off on what I've been doing and what the world's been doing and spy stuff and all that shit. I uh, watched Black and Blue from 2019, directed by Dion Taylor and written by Peter A. Dowling. Stars Naomi Harris and... Um, uh, Tyrese Gibson and Frank Grillo. Um, I s- actually just happened upon the trailer for this uh, on YouTube, and that's why I decided to watch it. I thought the trailer looked really good. Um, this was pretty good. Um, Naomi Harris is a uh, cop, and she's kind of new and just getting started and everything, and she witnesses... Um, some bad shit that goes down uh, with some criminals and dirty cops. And then um, she kind of almost has to go on on the like on the run. Uh, it takes place just over like a couple of days. And, um, you know, she's like in the projects and not only are the bad guys chasing her, but the bad cops are chasing her too. And she doesn't know who's a good cop and a bad cop. And, you know, um, and they're just after her. I mean, it's like, you know, she's on the run and I thought it was pretty good. It's not great, but, um, like I said, uh, Tyrese Gibson was pretty good. Naomi Harris. I like her a lot. Uh, and Frank Grillo, of course, I really like him. Um, Naomi Harris is hot. <laughs> like her a lot (laughs) let's see moving right along okay now this one i can't tell you who was in it or who (laughs) i think uh peter cushing was in it uh but i couldn't find it Uh, the name i wrote it down when i watched it the name it was under was the uh devil's twins and I think it was a Hammer movie, and it had the Cushing, the Cush in it. Um, but then when I went to look it up on IMDb, nothing. That movie didn't come up under that name, so now I can't find it. And I didn't. I'm sure I could have got my iPad out and searched on Silver and Gold for the picture and found it, and to see. Well, I guess I could look up Peter Cushing, but he's made so many movies. There'd probably be a million of them in there. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Peter, Peter Cushing, Peter Cushing, he was the kind of pilgrimish like father uh, who led um, a bunch of um, almost like witch, um, I want to say witch finders, I don't know if I want to say witch finders, but like a a gang of uh, real religious zealots who were going around trying to kill like burn women at the stake if they found him fucking somebody um and let's see if i can find that it had some two hot girls in it that were the twins 
Maybe it's Brides of Dracula. No, that's Van Helsing. He definitely wasn't Van Helsing in that one. It had some titty in it, that's for sure. Nobody, of course, everybody likes the titty. The Hellfire Club? I don't think it was that either. I watched a bunch of shit, man. Been a long time, man. Uh, years of fling. I'm sure it would say something about, I think I watched that Hellfire Club. <laughs> I think I actually did watch that. Um, damn it. Devil's Agent? No. Fuck a duck. I don't know why it wouldn't come up under the name. I saw the Gorgon. We talked about that before on another show. Doctor Who. Oh, God damn it. Torture Garden. Fuck you, IMDb and the horse you rode in on. Twins of Evil. I bet you that's what it's at. Okay. 1970. Yeah. Okay. Here it is. Twins of Evil. And I had Twins of the Devil. Maybe I fucking wrote it down wrong. Um, a religious sect led by Gustav Weil, who is Peter Cushing, uh, hunts all women suspected of witchcraft. And of course, like I said, if uh, their idea of witchcraft is if they catch somebody fornicating with a, a married man or something like that, they'll burn them at the stake. Um, killing a number of innocent victims. Uh, young Katie, Gustav's niece, uh, will involve herself in a devilish cult and become an instrument of justice in the region. But the thing is, there's two of them. There's not just Katie. There's another one. Uh, they're, they're identical to, or they're twins. And, um, so what happens is there's a guy living in the area that, uh, is like fucking all the women and stuff, but he's protected by the, um, um, I think it might be David Warbeck, maybe, or is it Dennis? Uh, anyway, let's just not fucking get off into that. Um, no, 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 no. Count, uh, Karnstein is Damien Thomas. Uh, I think Warbeck is, he's, he's in it. And the woman, um, uh, Kathleen, uh, Byron, uh, is played, uh, plays Katie, uh, veal and she was the crazy one that was in black narcissist crazy nun but anyway um you have frida gellhorn and maria gellhorn those are the twins uh, mary mary collinson and madeline collinson and boy they were hot and they showed them naked uh, anyway, so this count, he's living in the town and he's like, you know, screwing these women and everything. But and Peter Cushing's character and his little band of, uh, you know, um, religious zealots, uh, they want to they want to get him and they want to get the women that he's with. But he is protected by like this magistrate that like a you know big judge it'd be like supreme court judge or something here and so they can't get to him but in reality they think he's just a, a scoundrel uh he is not he there is more to him than that and i don't want to say anything else in case nobody's seen it this was really good i liked it uh twins of the devil from 1971 uh directed by john huff and written by uh, it's a screenplay by tudor gates and the char characters were created by Sheridan Le Fanu. Le Fanu! But it, um, this is one if you want to see some sexy women in like uh, period outfits with uh, pushed up boobies and stuff like that. It's pretty good. And uh, I like the story too. Check it out. That was a good one. <laughs> I think it's on Prime. 
Uh, let's see, Kush. How the hell did I get uh, Twins of the Devil or De of the Devil out of Twins of Evil? Sometimes I fucking can't. My bifocals or something are not right. I hope this is picking up. I don't know if I was too far away from the mic or not. Uh, let's see here. What else do we have here? I loved a girl in Saginaw, Michigan. Now this one I just looked when I was looking up uh, Twins of the Devil uh, and I couldn't find it. I just happened across this one. I haven't seen it, but I just I left it up here just to talk about it no matter what. It's called She Devils of the SS or Ein Army uh, Gretchen. Uh, in the last two days of World War II, women are volunteering for all, all over Germany to serve in the front lines by having sex with the brave Nazi soldiers. But when they start having sex with each other, wait a minute. When they start having sex with each other, things get complicated, especially with the increasing danger uh, from the vengeful Soviet or revengeful Soviet army. This looks good. So I'm going to look this one up. I, I already looked it up. I mean, I'm going to see if I can find it and watch it. Uh, it's directed by Erwin C. Dietrich, uh, written by Karl Heinz Helms Leisenhoff. Uh, it's from his novel, and uh, Erwin D. C. Dietrich, uh, the screenplay as Manfred Gregor, uh, stars <laughs> Elizabeth, Elizabeth Felchner, uh, Karin uh, Heske, and Renata Kasch. Uh, looks like it's got some hot women in it, and it looks like it could be sort of a Ilse-ish type of Nazi exploitation sex uh, fucking. So I'm gonna I'll look that one up. I got a bunch of Nazi exploitation movies that I bought off of Amazon, like all the uh, Ilsa movies and uh, several other ones that I haven't watched yet. But I'll talk about those here in a little bit. I watched Mr. Klein, which I bought on VHS uh, on Amazon uh, a long time ago, and I just never watched it. Uh, the VHS, the little um, the little door thing that's on the end of the t that covers up the tape, was broken when I got it, but I still managed to watch it. Uh, I've been wanting to see this for a long time, and I got it, but I I just thought as soon as I put this in my VCR, it's going to fuck it up. Uh, but I did get it to play and got got to watch it. Uh, 1976's Mr. Klein, uh, directed by uh, Joseph uh, Lose, uh, written by Franco Salinas and Fernando Marandi. And uh, one of the reasons I watched it has two of uh, my favorites in it, uh, Alain Delon and Jean Moreau. Uh, this is pretty good. Um, it's an interesting story. Um, this guy is like a, he's almost like a, I was going to say like Tom Ripley. Uh, he's an art collector and he uses what's going on during the war to like, you know, the Jews, uh, they take away their money and everything. And so to survive, they have to sell their, um, you know, their, their valuables uh, just to survive. And he's a nice guy and everything, but he takes advantage. Well, he's not really a nice guy. He's kind of a, uh, just by doing this, he's a jerk. They'll bring him like their valuables, including works of art. Uh, and he'll give them money, uh, which I'm sure he's given them like 
not a lot of money. Uh, but when it comes down to, you know, eating and being able to survive, uh, you know, he say they bring him a, a painting that's worth a uh, hundred thousand dollars and he gives them, you know, you know, a, a, a hundred or a couple hundred or something like that. Um, but then there's another guy that um, there's like a, I was going to say a case of mistaken identity. Uh, the Gestapo and everything is always going around trying to find people that are Jewish. And he gets sort of... People start wondering if he is who he says he is or if he's this other guy. And then he goes in search of the other guy and these other people. Meanwhile... Um, it's kind of like that uh, the other movie I said where um, he does have some uh, at least one person that's kind of has influence that can get him out of a jam, but they're starting to suspect that he's not who he says he is and stuff like that. It's it's really good. Elaine Delon is uh, and Jean Moreau both. Just about everything they're in is usually pretty good. And uh, this is one, for some reason, I don't know why it's not uh, available on something. Whether it's to purchase or, you know, whatever. I I, I can't remember. I, I bought it on, maybe I bought it on VHS because it was really cheap. But it just says, I, I would think it would be on like Prime or, you know, maybe not Netflix, but like on Prime or, or something like that. Maybe it's on something that I don't get. And that's why I couldn't find it. But anyway, VHS sometimes works. I actually bought, I have um, two brand new Blu-ray players uh, that haven't even been taken out of the box uh, that I bought at like Walmart, but I bought them cheap because uh, <laughs> I figured all you know physical media is uh, going out. And once something breaks, then, you know, I don't want to be just stuck with shit that I can't watch. So I bought a couple of Blu-ray players over the last couple of years, and they're just in the box under my bed. I actually bought a VHS player uh, uh, probably like last month. Uh, and it it wasn't like ex- super expensive. I, I remember when Walmart still had them and they were going out and they got down to where they were like maybe 20 bucks. I, it was more than that. It was like 60 or 80 bucks or something, but I still have a bunch of VHS tapes and I have a VHS player in my living room, but I, I hardly ever use it. But I thought, you know, I'll just get this one, keep it in the box. And then if the other one ever goes bad and I want to watch something, you know, maybe I should just give up. And when one of when one of them goes bad, then just get rid of that format. <laughs> but like I said, you know, it's, it's a it's a library that you have. And as long as you can still watch some of the stuff, you know, yeah, it's free. I got a um, when I was talking about getting the Nazi uh, exploitation movies, I bought a uh, it's a Nazi exploitation documentary, Nazi Thon, Decadence and Destruction from 2013. This wasn't very good. It just shows clips from um, different movies, uh, Nazi exploitation movies, directed by Charles Band, written by Kent Roundabush and Michelle McGee. Well, Michelle Bombshell McGee. She's the one that uh, uh, the motorcycle uh, guy 
Jesse James that was married to Sandra Bullock. He was fucking Michelle Bombshell McGee. And uh, they had pictures of him and her uh, wearing like Nazi stuff. And uh, so she's like the hostess of this, like almost like um, Elvira. Uh, this is a very good. It, it was only like a, maybe a couple bucks. But yeah, they, there's a documentary about Nazi exploitation, I think, on Prime. I haven't watched it yet, but I've, I I was more interested in something that would tell, you know, about the genre and uh, the making of some of the movies and stuff like that. This one just shows clips. Okay. I watched, uh, I hadn't seen this one before, and I thought it was really good. It's called Hopscotch from 1980. Stars uh, Walter Matthau uh, and Glenda Jackson, Sam Waterston, uh, who else? Ned Beatty, uh, David Mathau. I assume that's Walter Mathau's son. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is pretty good. It's a lighthearted uh, comedy, not like you know super duper uh, over the top comedy, but um, it's a it's a funny spy movie. Um, and uh, Walter Mathau is is really good in it, like he is in everything. Um, he is a CIA agent and, uh, he's like an old, old dog. And I'm looking at a picture of him. He looks like an old hound dog. Uh, but he's an old dog who, you know, he knows the ins and outs of everything, but he gets on kind of like the wrong side of the new regime, uh, that's coming into, um, power and they want him to kind of go away and, um, it's, it's, this is really good. I really enjoyed it. It is on YouTube for free. I would rather have you guys watch it and, uh, it's very enjoyable. And like I said, it's not slapsticky or anything like that. It's just humorous. Uh, it's kind of a c- comedy drama. Hopscotch. Mathal is always good. Okay, I watched uh, Wanda the Wicked Warden or Gretchen Haas on Manor, and I've seen it as Ilsa the Wicked Warden too. Uh, Might as well be Ilsa. Um, This is um, um, Jesus Franco as Jess Franco, written and directed. Uh, It stars Diana Thorne, uh, Lynn Romay, and uh, Angela Richard. Now, I was I forgot I had actually seen this one. So, but now I have a, a, a actual copy of it. Um, it's pretty entertaining. <laughs> I thought it was good. I know some people. I can't remember if it was Rolf or who it was that, uh, or Stohan or who it is that uh, said that they don't like these movies. Um, this one is, you know, the 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 torture in it is bad and it's not uh, good. <laughs> I don't know how to put it, but uh, just getting to see Diane Thorne's uh, big titties. And uh, like I said, she's like a uber sadistic milf. Uh, she got some. I think Sammy or something one time they reviewed, I think, Ilsa, uh, the uh, uh, She-Wolf of the SS, I believe, or something like that. And uh, they were talking about like like uh, she has these crazy fucking like, eyes, like a crazy fucking uh, like. 40 40 something crazy eyes but she's built like a brick shit house and has these big ass fucking fake titties uh it's worth a watch and i enjoyed it i don't give a fuck 
I don't like the torture stuff. And there was, and, and if you, if you take it seriously, it's pretty grotesque, but if you just watch it just as like, you know, that it's exploitation, you know, that I can kind of turn my brain off. It's not like I'm watching irreversible or something like that, or, uh, you know, something where it's like, but it's still pretty, I guess it's pretty disgusting. <laughs> Uh, whatever <laughs> anyway I watched uh, what's this Hollywood 90028 Mark a young photographer travels oh okay I know what this is this was called um, oh what's there was another name for this what was it it was not maniac let me find it here. On the way back home, sang a song, but our throats are getting dry. Insanity. Okay, this is a low budget movie. This is Hollywood 90028 from 1973, but it was the one I It's on YouTube. It's called Insanity. Uh, Mark, a young photographer, travels to Hollywood hoping to make it as a cameraman in the movie business. Unfortunately, the only job he can find is shooting porn loops for a sleazy producer. Depressed and increasingly delusional, he begins to take out his frustration on a pretty young woman he meets by strangling them. I think the reason I found this was I watched a documentary on the Hillside Stranglers and then I uh, started looking up stuff about them. And I think this movie was kind of based on that story. Uh, although that there's just one guy in this Hillside Stranglers where there was two of them. There was, they were cousins. Um, this was really super low budget. And I think it's kind of considered a cult classic uh, for like uh, horror genre. Um, the guy does make like a, he edits, um, and shoots uh, porno movies like back in the late 60s, early 70s, where, you know, the only place you could see them was like at a dirty bookstore or sold, uh, you know, out of the back of a magazine or something. I don't know. Um, but he's trying to get a job uh, in um, just regular as a regular photographer. But when he goes to these places and they say, well, what's your credentials? And, you know, what have you shot before? Well, he doesn't want to show them like porno movies. And so he's like, well, I'll just go out and shoot you some uh, raw stuff myself. And they were like, oh, well, you know, we'd really like to see some of the stuff that, you, that you've done before. Uh, but it almost reminds me uh, of uh, like Maniac with uh, Spinel. Uh, do it doesn't have as much... Uh, killing in it um or as much gruesome stuff like that but it does uh, it's kind of like somebody that's just kind of becoming uh, uh undone uh, a lot of psychological stuff but like i said it's it's really low budget it's it's not great it's super duper low budget but uh it's worth a watch but it rates a 5.1 <laughs> Oh, Ilsa. <laughs> you scamp. Uh, okay, I watched... Uh, uh, this was on Prime. I didn't even know they had movie shorts on there. And so I started watching this movie and I was like, oh, you know, it's pretty good. But it was only like 15, 10, 15 minutes long. Um, Happy Home. Um, I think this was the one where the girl is... 
sort of catfishing guys online for her computer to come over and fuck her. And then when they come over, she uh, brains them with a baseball bat. Um, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's like I said, it's a short film. I just happened to run across it. I, apparently they have uh, lots of those on there. So when you're clicking on something, you know, just look at the runtime and uh, it'll tip you off. It was, it was interesting. I could see, you know, somebody, you know, putting that together and it, you know, kind of just for the short, like I said, short film, short period of time, you have 10, 15 minutes or whatever. It was, uh, it was kind of interesting. Uh, another short film that I watched, I did not know this was a short until I started watching it. And when I started watching it, I was like, this is kind of reminds me of that, uh, of the, uh, Olivia Wilde movie. Um, Oh, what was that one called? I just watched it. Uh, Of course, it couldn't be one of the ones that fucking comes up first so I can see what it is. I've watched it several times. Now, how come I can't remember I like Olivia Wilde. I think she is very cute and she's pretty funny. Um, and she's, she's single. Now. Well, I don't, maybe she isn't single. Cause you know, a lot of times when women break up with a dude, it's because they already have somebody in the waiting. The waiting is the hardest part. A vigilante from 2018 is the one with Olivia Wilde. And I believe that it must've been based on this short film which is called The Vigilante from 2014. This one's 45 minutes long. It's a short film, uh, but it's basically sort of the same premise that the uh, Olivia Wilde movie is, but it takes place in uh, Iran. And uh, it's uh, directed and written by uh, Michaela Lansing or Michaela Rijdik. And it stars Laura Bofil, Valerie Maldonado, and Sergio Marcina. Um, again, if you've seen the Olivia Wilde movie, A Vigilante, um, basically what this uh, woman and her partner do is they go and they try to help abused women uh, get out of their you know, abusive relationship. And also I think get them out of Iran and she is, well, they're both, I think, uh, I think that she is from, from Iran and her, um, her partner actually, I believe lives in the United States, her boyfriend or, or husband. And then she has a guy that, um, that helps her that is actually in on the planning and everything. And, uh, goes in and, you know, contacts the woman and then sets it up to where when the guy comes home, she, you know, they either try and get the woman out without anything happening or they, she'll go in there and kick the shit out of the guy and help the woman escape. It's a, it's a very interesting, uh, I, I thought the Olivia Wilde movie was pretty good all the way up until the last, like maybe last part of it I didn't think it needed to show her and her ex and all that stuff uh, but um, yeah I, I this one again is really low budget it's like shot with a handheld 
a camera or whatever. I watched Saints and Soldiers from 2003. Uh, I've seen the box art work for this for a long time and just never watched it. And uh, I just got on a movie watching thing on Prime. And uh, I think it was Prime. might have been Netflix. Uh, four soldiers and one Brit fighting in Europe during World War II struggle to return to allied, allied, allied territory after being separated from U.S. forces uh, during the uh, Malmedy Massacre. Um, this, uh, these guys, they have the Battle, Battle of the Bulge uh, uh, or the Ardennes Forest, and uh, the Germans massacre these this. All these Americans and these, like it says in the thing, the four Americans escape. Well, this uh, British pilot uh, crash lands his plane, and he's got these uh, plans that he has to get uh, to the Allied lines uh, to let them know what's going on, so that they can stop the basically the German offensive. And uh, this was pretty good. I did not know anything about it and had not heard anything about it. And uh, I was just assuming it would be kind of like save, a Saving Private Ryan kind of a movie. It is. It's it's worth a watch. I thought it, I enjoyed it. And uh, there's, uh, I don't know, there's two or three other ones uh, that are, they must be based on the same, um, uh, maybe a series of books or something. Let's see. Did you know? Over a hundred war reenactors volunteered to participate in the filming, lying in the snow for hours at a time. But anyway, this, like I said, this one's this one's worth a worth a look if you like war movies and. Um, ba, ba, ba. All guns uh, used in the film are authentic and fully functional, modified to shoot blanks. It's kind of cool. More than five thousand blank uh, rounds were used. Lots of gun stuff in this. Anyway, um, yeah, this was this was pretty pretty good. Uh, it's not, you know, like like I said, it's not on the level of Saving Private Ryan, but it's it's I liked it. I want to watch the other ones too. Uh, let's go back, Johnny. What are you doing, Johnny? You're podcasting. Death Rage from 1976. Con la rabia agli uh, I have not seen this yet. Uh, somebody recommended it. I love Yul Brenner, and it's got Barbara Boucher in it. Uh, it's uh, directed by Antonio Magretti, and uh, as uh, Anthony M. Dawson. Um, yeah, I want to check this one out. Martin Balsam is also in this. I'm going to maybe I'll watch it today. I have tonight off, so maybe I'll I'll take a look at it. Uh, I thought no, there was yeah. I was going to say I thought this one was. Uh, like Yul Brenner's kind of a vigilante death wish movie. I don't, I'm not sure, but uh, let's see. A retired hitman decides to take one last job to avenge the murder of his brother by a mafia gang. An eager would be uh, mobster helps him. If it's got Yul Brenner and Barbara Boucher in it, I'm in. So I need to watch that one. I left it up there just to, uh, so I could take a look at it and uh, remind myself. Uh, Skyfall. I like Skyfall. I don't. I can't remember what Rolf's um, rating was on that. Uh, I would say from Russia with Love, Goldfinger, and Skyfall, uh, and then uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service are probably the my top four. Um, but uh, yeah, Sky, I was not sold on Daniel Craig when he first became Bond. 
Uh, I didn't think he looked like the way Bond should look or whatever and everything. And they said, well, you know, Casino Royale, it's going to be, he's, he's the young Bond. He's just becoming James Bond and everything. And they're going to make it more realistic. And he really has grown on me. I, I did not like Casino Royale when I first saw it, but then on rewatch, uh, rewatching it several times, I really like it now. And I really, I love Skyfall. I just think it's really, I think it's great. Uh, like Harvey Bardem in that. Um, now Spectre, as I have said before, um, I probably should go back and watch it. I did not, uh, like it that much. I liked Dave Batista in it. Um, but he, that was like the main thing. And I like Christoph Waltz as Blofeld, but I did not like, um, like I said, they kind of threw in this, um, big reveal of who Blofeld really is. And I didn't like that because I grew up, you know, with Blofeld as, you know, Donald Pleasance and uh, Telly Savalas and all these different people. And what Blofeld was, you know, who he was and what he was supposed to represent and everything. And then by throwing that in there, I thought it was kind of like a cheap kind of a gimmick, gimmicky kind of a thing, especially when you consider that Spectre is supposed to be, you know, like back when Bond was younger and now you're going to look at it and say, okay, all this time uh, in all these other movies uh, when, you know, they knew about Blofeld that he knew who Blofeld was. So, that, you know, I didn't, I just kind of didn't like that one that much. Like I said, I've only watched it. Uh, I always, I like Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes is good. Monica Bellucci. I thought it was funny because when I first saw this and Monica Bellucci and Daniel Craig were like making out, I thought, I took it like Daniel Craig was making out with a MILF that she was, you know, a lot of, they're the same age. I think that, I think they're the same age, but for some reason I thought that she, you know, it's probably because they would always put him with these really young, hot chicks and he's like 40 something or 50 or whatever. And then they would have him with some 20 year old. And then of course, Monica Bellucci's the same age as him. So compared to, uh, uh, Naomi Harris or uh, Les Sadu or whoever, you know, she she does come off as more of a MILF, but he is a, I guess he maybe he'd be a MILF too if you're homosexual or bisexual. Uh, smoke uh, with Harvey Keitel and William Hurt and uh, Stockard Channing. I like this movie. This is uh this one I hold near and dear to my heart. Giancarlo Esposito, I like him a lot. Um, again, I've watched this one so many times, and I just um, it's just one for some reason it just touches me. And I even bought um both my sisters a copy of uh, Augie Wren's Christmas, the little book, little Christmas book, and um, yeah, I just for I, I just really love this movie. Uh, I recommend it big time. 1995 Smoke, uh, directed by Wayne Wang. What else did he direct while we're here? I like Augie Wren. He's he's just a really, that was just a really awesome portrayal and an awesome character. The bats are in the belfry. The dew is on the moor. And it's memories that I'm seeing Cause you're innocent when you dream When you dream You're innocent when you dream <laughs> 
Uh, Megaforce. I think Rolf watched Megaforce, and I don't think he cared for it too much. We watched it and reviewed it on the show. It was directed by Hal Needham, who, of course, was a legendary stuntman and Burt Reynolds' best buddy and roommate at one time, starring Barry Bostwick and Michael Beck. Um Again, this is one of those ones you have to watch. You have to go into it knowing what you're going to get, and you'll enjoy it a lot more. That it's stupid. It's known as being a, a bad movie, but in a funny way. Uh, Henry Silva is fucking funny as shit in it because he's just so over the top. Ace! He's like the bad guy, but he's like best buddies with Barry Bostwick from the past. I thought it was funny. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I watched The Dark. Uh, from 1979, uh, directed by John Bud Cardos and Toby Hooper. Uh, writer was uh, Stanford Whitmore, and it stars uh, William Devane, Kathy Lee Crosby, Richard Jekyll. Uh, I don't remember that much about this one. I don't know why. It was kind of like a little all-star cast kind of a deal. Will, uh, um, William Devane, or Will William, I wanted to say Willem. William Devane in this looks... I don't know what look he was going for. He has real long hair and wears like a bandana around his head all the time. I remember that. And he looks stupid. Um, Kathy Lee Crosby was kind of hot. She was like one of the first uh, person to play Wonder Woman, even though she didn't even look anything like the character. Uh, she was in that movie Coach where she was like a, a woman gym teacher or women's basketball coach or something. And I just remember uh, one of the players... Uh, guy players walked in on her and she was changing her clothes in her office and they showed showed her titties. And that was a big thing back in the day. Um, let's see. Someone or something is on, the in, uh, is on an indiscriminate killing and mutilation spree during nighttime. Frustrated by uh, the clueless police, the father of the first victim, who is Willem Dafoe, or well, William Devane, is looking for answers no matter how far-fetched they are. Um, yeah, some guy who's kind of like a fucking creepy alien guy and he comes out at night and fucking murders people with his, uh, he kind of like gets the glowing eyes and vaporizes them and shit. And he doesn't say anything or talk or anything like that. And Devane is trying to figure it out. Kathy Lee Crosby is a reporter and they have like a sexual tension, um, uh, Keenan Wynn and Richard Jekyll are also in this. It had a whole, but it, it kind of almost smelled like a made for TV movie. Like back in the day when they would have like uh or a movie like earthquake or something like that, that had an all-star cast. They would throw just about everybody in, in the kitchen sink into the cast. Uh, wasn't very good. Derp. Toby Hooper. Diggy, diggy, diggy. Uh, 15 minutes to go, daddy. I watched Uncle Frank from 2020. This was really good. Uh, it was directed by Alan Ball and written by Alan Ball. Uh, it stars Paul Bentney, uh, Sophia Lillis, and Peter McDizzy. McDizzy. Get dizzy. Uh, also has Steve Zahn in it. Uh, who else? But I really like this. This one's um, the uh, chick is um, Sophie Lillies. She is in the new season of Fargo. And um, I really enjoyed it because it reminded me of like um, when you had your uh, favorite, like say your favorite uncle 
or favorite, uh, you know, aunt or cousin or something like that, that you didn't see all the time, but when they showed up, you were just like, they were like, like almost really cool, but like just so nice. And like your friend and you just really thought they were, uh, you know, how family is, you know, you're kind of like, Oh God, we're going to get these. But it's one of those people that doesn't treat you like a kid and uh, you can talk to, and it's just kind of a cool person. Um, Let's see. Uh, but basically, she lives. It it shows her fa- her living with her family and everything. And then Uncle Frank uh, comes to visit, and you know it explains in the first parts of it that she really uh, thinks that you know the world of him. He's just such a nice guy, and and he takes an interest in her and everything. And and she can talk to him. And he's you know she lives. They live out in the country, and. And he lives in the city, and so he can tell her all these stories, which fascinates her about, like, uh, you know, say living in uh, in New York, where when they're living in like South Carolina, and it ends up that uh, uh, Frank has like a secret, and uh, I thought this was really good. I I really enjoyed it. I loved the story. I actually would now that I'm looking at this, I kind of want to watch it again. Uh, Paul Bentney was really good in it. Um, I'm not so sure about the, uh, the ending of it. Uh, but I guess, you know, I can see, I can see how it goes, how it went the way it went and everything. Um, it's kind of like a road trip movie, almost like, um, Oh, what was the one with um, fucking Vigo? And do 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 do. Olivia Wilde, she wants to be my girlfriend. I'm sure of it. I'm pretty sure of it. I don't know. I'm not saying nothing, but uh, you know, Vigo Mortensen in Unibom. Let's see. Green Book. That's the one I was thinking of. I like Green Book and I like Captain Fantastic. Some some people did not like, I think Emily did not like Captain Fantastic at all. And there was a lot of people that didn't like Green Book. But it's kind of like Green Book, you know, sort of a similar type of story. Uh, I guess that's why I was thinking of Green Book. Oh, my neck, my back, my pussy and my crack. I watched The Beast in Heat or La Bestia in Calo. Calor. Um, Sammy and Will reviewed this, and I think it was called like SS Hell Camp uh, is another name for it. Uh, some of these, the reasons I got the name screwed up or whatever is because I was in Facebook uh, jail for like seven days um, because it seems like if you post anything, uh, even if it's like, say you want to post that fucking Hitler was bad and you post a picture of Hitler and say something about fuck this guy or something like that, you know, you get Nazi or you get fucking Facebook jail for promoting, uh, uh, dangerous groups or something like that, or anything that like some of these Nazi exploitation things, I had to really worry about posting any of the box cover art or uh, anything like that, because if it has a swastika, uh, I got a Facebook jail for posting a picture of Ed Norton from um, American History X, because he had a swastika tattooed on his chest. 
Uh, so, you know, you got to watch. And again, I got uh, the Facebook jail for posting the box movie poster for uh, Irreversible with Monica Bellucci. And she's wearing a dress. And they said it went against nudity, their nudity guidelines. So anyway, I'm very, uh, very uh, worried or whatever about uh, posting anything that Facebook could consider to be whatever. Oh, man. But then I switched, you know, I've had a Twitter account for a long time and I never, I, I have the account, but I never really did that much on it. But when I got in Facebook jail, I started doing Twitter and in some ways I kind of like Twitter almost more, um, especially for, uh, news and stuff like that. Now, um, Facebook, I like just because of the animal stuff and, you know, my, the wombats and uh, the baby monkeys and shit like that that I like to look at, dogs and stuff like that. Anyway, uh, The Beast in Heat or SS Hell Camp or La Bestia in Calor uh, is a pretty fucked up movie uh, where this woman who's sort of an Ilsa-like person, um, they're running this, uh, of course, like I said, you know, SS um, camp where they... Uh, just do all kinds of really fucked up shit. They have this guy there that's, uh, it says a, uh, a beast is a, uh, rapist, rapish squat mongoloid sex fiend <laughs> who she uses to torture and molest female prisoners. A beautiful nefarious senior female SS officer doctor creates a genetic mutant human beast. The beast is a rapious a uh, squat mongoloid sex fiend, <laughs> which she uses to torture and molest female prisoners while the Nazis watch. Uh, this is just kind of a fucked up. It's not even entertaining. It's just really shitty. Uh, it's not. It's like it's not even good Ilsa uh, uh, Nazi exploitation. The fucking uh, the guy, the beast thing. Yeah, you know they'll put some poor woman in there, and he just goes over and fucking humps on her, and they show his gross, ugly face and spit flying out, or you know, drool coming out of his mouth. Uh, it's pretty stupid, not very good. Um, usually these Nazis are pretty fucking uh, 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 what do you call it, sadistic, uh, and have big titties. Anyway. Uh, this is one of the uh, so-called video nasties about fictionalized World War II Nazi POW camp atrocities. A beautiful affair. Okay, I already did the thing about the uh, rapiest squat mongoloid sex fiend. <laughs> anyway, you can you can get away without watching this one. It wasn't even like I said. It wasn't even fucking entertaining. It's more entertaining to talk about the rapiest squat mongoloid sex fiend. I watched Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. I really liked this movie. I thought it was funny. I've seen it one time before, and for some reason I was just sitting there, and I was like, you know, I'm tired of watching rapiest uh, squat mongoloid sex fiend movies, so I want to watch something kind of kind of that will make me giggle and chuckle. And I watched Harold and Kumar go to White Castle again. Uh, it's pretty good. It's funny. It's just lighthearted, funny shit, you know. Uh, one thing I was going to say uh, before I have to get off here is uh, – one of the reasons that I had not been watching that many movies is I've been watching a lot of um, uh, predator, pedophile uh, catches uh, that were on YouTube. These different uh, groups all across the United States will have decoys 
that will uh, contact. It's almost like Chris Hansen, you know, with uh, To Catch a Predator. But these are just independent groups and uh, young people that are young and older people that will take it upon themselves to get on Grinder or dating websites or social uh, um, websites. And uh, they will start, you know, have uh, these guys contact him and they'll say, well, I'm not really 18. I'm, you know, 12 or 10 or 11 or something, 14 or whatever. And the, you know, the guys will eventually, you know, be like, you know, ah, age is just a number and everything. Start talking about sex and all this stuff. Um, so I've been watching a lot of those and they'll go the other day. Uh, the, these one, this one group went, uh, 500 miles, drove 500 miles to, uh, meet this like 52 year old man who wanted to get with this like 11 year old girl. Um, and one of the things about it is they have, um, some of the decoys will actually have, um, live, uh, talks on, um, YouTube and on those things it's almost like a, not a watch party. You're listening while they talk to the predator. Uh, and you know, the one, the one, uh, girl, she, you know, she'll, put on the voice and she sounds like she's about fucking 10, you know, 10, 11 years old and talking to these guys. And some of them are just straight up. I mean, they're all fucking pieces of shit cause they all want to get together with the, you know, but they might be 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old, 50 years old. One they caught the other day was like 72 years old. Um, and, um, you know, she'll talk to him and keep, you know, uh, document everything, keep the, um, the audio and then they'll transcribe the stuff and uh, they'll get the pictures. The guys will tell them everything. They'll send them dick pics constantly, send them pictures, send their addresses. They'll get their driver's license numbers. They'll get their, they'll get everything where they work and what they do and all this stuff. And then, uh, you know, after a period of time of building a case, they'll go out and they'll confront them. Sometimes the police get involved. Sometimes, you know, the, the police, don't get involved, but they'll actually post the stuff on YouTube. And then eventually, you know, with that, it gets out and exposes them and everything. Um, you know, I've been watching just a lot of that stuff. And it's just, it's amazing, disgusting, and horrifying. There'll be a town like, say, Cincinnati, Ohio, or Columbus, or something like that. And they might catch 20 guys or more, you know, just in one fucking town. Um, it's really repulsive um it's it gets to be repetitive after a while you know watching the videos of the catches and stuff uh but when, when you're when you're actually following like uh the one girl that's a decoy that i'm you know i'm following and when they did like i said it's like a watch party they you can hear everything that she's saying to the guy on the phone and then they'll have like the uh, uh um where there would be like a whole bunch of people. And usually I'm on there since I work midnight shift late at night. So there's not as many people on there, but we, we can comment, uh, just, you know, text comment and she'll like pause, uh, you know, like if the guy's doing something, she'll pause it and say something to us, you know, yeah. Th or you can ask her a question. And there's just some of them that are just idiots. They're fucking morons or, and then there's some of them that are just so disgusting and such fucking perverts. It's just sickening. Um, again, it's, it's more rewarding when you're 
after a while, you know, watching the catches is is good, but after a while it gets repetitive. But when you sit there and listen to her actually carry on conversations with some of these guys and you get to know the guys day after day because she sometimes talk to some of them like several times during the week and you get to know those guys – then uh, before they do the catch, she won't show like a real picture of the guy or uh, anytime they say something about their address or anything like that that will identify them. She'll pause or she'll hit mute so you can't hear it uh, because they don't want the guy to get tipped off or whatever. But then when you listen to them and you hear what a piece of shit the guy is and you hear it for like several weeks and then they roll out they do the catch and they go catch him. It's pretty satisfying, you know, to finally see the the actual guy and to get him fucking caught and everything, especially when the cops get involved and then they have an after thing where they can say, you know, the cops went and got him or they, you know, found out, looked up the guy was a sex offender because they all say that they've only done it. This is the first time that, you know, they've never done it before and they'll never do it again, but they'll say that. And then they'll find out that the guy's done it a shitload of times. But anyway, we're coming up right on two hours, so I'm going to sign off for now and get this posted uh, probably tonight. Uh, Like I said, I wanted to keep it at the two-hour mark. So we got more to talk about later. Just getting caught up on everything, you know, kind of took up some time, but that's cool. Hopefully, you know, start doing this again every week uh, and get off my dead ass. And now that the computer's all fixed and everything, and we'll get some more content out to you shortly. This is Dr. Zom saying Zom. Thanks, guys. Boo.